everybody. Good Sunday afternoon to you, and thank you for joining us. It's our number two of the first day, the WIBC Sunday Magazine Show. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips. They're real estate consultants, the best. They really are the best. Yep. Decades of experience are really terrific. Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. Go to CrossroadsCollectiveHomes.com. You'll also find them on social media. Look for Greg Cooper. Look for Lisa Phillips. I did the HoosierHomeValues2023.com. And uh, they got right back to me, and then they did a full mock. If you go to that website, don't think that they're just looking it up in a book. Yeah, they do a complete workup. I mean, assessments and everything. It's it. It probably took them two or three days to do it. They won't hound you either after that. I mean, they did. This is a, a service that they offer to you. So you know, just I know. Oftentimes we get a little. Oh, I don't want to fill out stuff. Hey, yeah. but we really love them. We they're do. good. We trust them. And uh, hope, and I think you will too. So get in touch with them if you need some help. If you just got a question or two, they're the best. Uh, Colts training camp coming out Wednesday begins on Wednesday. Ten to eleven is practice. Friday is kids' day. Practice from ten to eleven fifteen, and then Saturday they'll have an evening practice six to seven thirty. There are thirteen practices. You need a uh, a free ticket. It is free, but you got to get your tickets. And that's up at Grand Park it in is. Westfield. Free tickets at Colts.com. You'll have to have one to get to get in. Uh, sad news about Donnie Baker. Um, I, I, they I know, announced that yesterday while yeah. we were on air, and it caught us all off guard. Um, Ron Sexton, uh, known to all of us as Donnie Baker, uh, that was unexpected, and that happened in Ohio while on tour, as you heard Sam mention, with his stand-up comedy show. So anyway, our thoughts and prayers for all of you that knew Donnie or that uh, he touched your life in some way. Nothing oh but accolades for that man. He just made us laugh. In. I mean, he had this redneck humor Very about talented. him that just Really, funny. really talented individual. Uh, okay, what else did we want to talk about in this uh, next break? week? Next week oh, we're going to be at that at Dairy Dairy Bar at yeah. the fair next Sunday. Please come by and see us. We'd love to see you. We'll talk to you. Sure, we will. Love, look, we're looking for 4-H kids to stop by and see us, and we'll come come hunting for you once we get out there. But if you know of anybody that would like to uh, be on the radio, we love going out. And to the, the same thing fair. on Saturday, Terry. We're going to be at at the Dairy Bar. That's right, up by a Pioneer oh, Village on Saturday. No, not Dairy Bar. I'm sorry. We're going to be at the Pork Tent. Pork. Oh, right at the tent. entrance to Pioneer Village. Stop by and see us all. Terry will be there. Allison, Pat, and me. So we're going to be eating good. We are we'll going to pork be on Saturday and good. dairy on Sunday. Jeanette Merritt and Indy and a pork take care of us. Yeah. Some of the cool things that are happening, um, there are fr- ways for you to save. BMV Discount Day uh, will be coming up on Wednesday, the 2nd. So you've got that where you can save some money. $7 gate admission. Go to in.gov slash BMV. Uh, there are other ways to save with $3 Thursdays are back. I know you'll love those. $3 Thursdays every Thursday presented by uh, Indiana Secretary of State. So that's $3 gate admission, $3 midway rides. $3 food options from the fairgrounds. That's a big day. Big fan of that. Kylan loves that day. I absolutely. do too. <laughs> the $3 food. I cannot tell you how many things of food I have walking around. Here's the yeah. thing. Everybody thinks that media gets to get in there for free. They have really cut back on that. We pay to get in and we, we pay to get in because right. we love it. I mean, it's, you know, when we encourage you to come out, come out. It really is the, a celebration of everything agriculture and 
even more. Opens on Friday, goes through the 20th, so you've got lots of time. Uh, Hoosier Lottery Day, I know, is also a big one. That will be August 12th. Uh, Cancer Survivors Day, that's another day that brings out a lot of folks. August 13th, uh, AAA Day, that's when members get in free. That will be Wednesday, August 16th, as you plan your state fair trip. There are lots of ways for you to save, hey, lots of entertainment. A, don't forget, a week from Friday, now this Friday is the first day, Clint Black's going to be there. Oh, but yeah. a week from that is Band Day. Oh, and thank that you for reminding us. That's, yeah. that's a week from from this coming Friday. Uh you're right, Denny. Band Day used to, they moved that back and forth. Traditionally was always on a Friday, then they moved it to Saturdays, and now it's back to Fridays, which we love. Well, so many schools are back in school, so the kids yeah. in the band actually have to take a day off. But good for us. We get to get the kids out of school. I yeah. know. Now, Saturday when we're there, July 29th, the first Saturday of the State Fair, that will be when we've got the USA Mullet Championship. <gasps> yep. Love Remember when we talked to the mullet guy? Uh, they, they love they love Indianapolis. They love being at that venue. Now, do they have age groups? I mean, do they, they have do. a youth group? And the- it's a it's it's that will be at two o'clock in the afternoon. If you're headed out to the fair, that's next Saturday, and that brings in a lot of fans just to watch Who that. Who says event. the fair can't adapt? It used to, it used to be the hog calling and and yeah. the seed spitting. No, now we've got oh, no. mullet championship. We are still having the watermelon. I saw the blue ribbons for the watermelon <laughs> seed spitting contest yesterday. I've been working out there in the arts just for a couple of days. I remember when Nathan Crum won the watermelon seed spitting contest. <laughs> Dick was so proud. You'd have thought that kid was elected vice president of the United States. I mean. So proud. Oh, uh, boy. So I've got a ribbon also. I'm a, I was going to say, Terry, yeah, you need to get in Six on feet. It. For what? Do I'm really? a spitter. Are you a spitter? I can spit. Uh, and I've got a ribbon for that chewing one. chewing tobacco pay off. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely, Danny. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> the State Fair, I wanted to mention Dick Crum was out there. He and Jody came by for the, the Swine Barn, which has now got a new name, but that's the one that they the refurbished. Pavilion. Yeah, oh, it's got a and they're going to use that for the NC2A, too. Yeah. I mean, it's got track an indoor field. banked track. It's amazing. Oh, it's cool. What they have done out there, and so you'll be able to see that, too. That was blocked off last year, but now it's brand new, open. They've kept the facade and the building itself, and it's just gorgeous. But uh, anyway, lots to see and lots to do, and we love it. It's this Indiana State Fair, July 28th, August through August 20th, closed Mondays and Tuesdays. You can get some tickets. I think you can save online, but check that out for sure. I got the schedule. We've been taking in some of the art and some of the culinary in the arts building. And, Best grilled oh cheese in gosh. America. Is at the dairy bar. Absolutely, they've got it. It's an Italian version this year with pesto and Italian cheeses, and uh, that's their. And then they have a mint chocolate chip milkshake is the feature this year too. I've not been invited this year to the media taste event, which happens a couple of days before it opens. I've not seen anything. So maybe they even cut that out for us too. You know what? It's okay. You know, I understand. I understand. We do. We really understand. It's just that, you know, that was a highlight for me. There were a lot of media people (laughs) that got the pass and they just went out there and they didn't do anything. So good. Did you do it with me? Did you do it? I didn't, but I tried some of the food. Okay. Both of you ladies have hollow legs. I'd be afraid to take you to an eating contest. I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful. All right. So I guess we need to take a break. Let's do that. Uh, we've got more to come. Kylan, what's coming up next? Did Hope you Center. Me? We're going to be the Hope by... Center. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Barbie Oppenheimer, of course, blockbusters. But there's also a film that's gotten a lot of attention and a lot making a lot of money. It's called The Sound of Freedom, and it's uh, it, a lot of you have seen this one. It's a rough one, but we're going to talk more about that with the Hope Center when we return to the first day on ninety three WIBC. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20mg injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. And open my eyes. Give me strength. Give me strength. My love. It's 12:18. That is the music from Sound of Freedom, the new Jim Caviezel thriller about child trafficking based on a true story. It was released in theaters a couple of weeks ago, receiving mixed reviews. There's some questions about its accuracy, but it has not stopped people from heading to theaters to see it. Made a lot of money. One of the criticisms of the film is that it doesn't provide much insight into the extensive process of providing support to the victims and helping them deal with trauma after they've escaped a dangerous situation. Hope Center Indy is a nonprofit you might not know about, a beautiful safe place in Hancock County for survivors of human trafficking. Earlier I spoke with Pastor Hubert Nolan. He's the co-founding executive director of Hope Center Indy and I asked him when he and his son David realized the problem with human trafficking. I think we created the Hope Center in 2016 and as we were doing some research about helping the least of these, uh, we began to realize that there was more men's facilities in America than women. So we thought, okay, let's see if we can do something to help ladies. And as we did more research, we realized that almost nothing was being done in the area of human trafficking. And when we began to move that direction with like wind in our sails, there was a lot of passion about that and a lot of people concerned and wanting to do something about it. I ended up starting to move that direction and opened up our residential program in the fall of 2017. And you have this beautiful spot in Hancock County. I'm trying to describe it to listeners. You describe it. it they're, they look like dorms. It's a campus. So it's like it was a college before we took it over as well. So we have a lot of space here. We have about 210,000 square feet. We have a 25-acre campus where these ladies can come and be part of the ministry here. So we have three residential programs here on our campus right now. So we have Take Art Residential, which is our program just for human trafficking. We have Grace House, which is the adult level 14 challenge who work in the area of drug addiction, alcoholism, and life-threatening issues. And then we have Hope Community, which is also a transitional program. So if the ladies can go through our programs and graduate, they can go into Hope Community where they can stay for a couple more years, work off campus, but still have a program that they're part of, working on their dreams and their goals. And then we're hoping this fall to kick off another program called Deborah's Place, which is for battered women. We have a lot of space here, and there's needs out there. It's just a matter of trying to have enough funding to be able to do what we do. So we give 365, 24-7 care, right? So that's a lot. And so part of that challenge is to raise uh, the money that we need to be able to do this. Our goal is for the ladies to come free. Not one lady has paid anything to be here since we opened in 2017. And uh, we provide them all kinds of opportunities as well. Once they get up to an area where they can actually work, they can work in our social enterprises. We call them giving engines, our businesses that helps fund the Hope Center and give back to the center. So there's a lot of things we are trying to do. One of the things we say here is it takes an incredible person to step out and to want to come and find help. They have to be really courageous and brave in that whole process. And for them to come across the country to a place where they've never been, people that they don't know, 
Uh, those are challenges that's hard to overcome. What happens when they first arrive to Hope Center Indy, that first 48 hours? Well, the first thing we try to do is get them to a doctor so we can do a complete physical to see what we're dealing with uh, physically. And then once they come back, we do an evaluation and we put them into our program. And so we have really five pillars. Uh, when we were thinking about what's it going to take for a girl to go out and be, in, be successful in society, we basically put together kind of like a college. And so we have... Um, five 90-day uh, sessions where they can go through each one, and then we graduate them every 90 days. We celebrate that because we don't know whether they'll be here for 90 days or 15 months. And so however long they're here, we want them to make progress. We want them to be encouraged. So we're asking these ladies to give us anywhere from 90 days to 15 months of their life, which is a lot to ask. But we also realize that the need for healing takes time. And so we basically work in five different areas. We work on wellness, which is uh, the whole idea of working through their trauma, uh, helping them with addictions and those kind of areas, all the way through their physical well-being when it comes to nutrition, exercise, all the things that would help them to have a good outlook on their life. Another area is career and education. We want to educate them, help them to be able to take a step forward when it comes to their life and what they're going to do with that. We call it the plan of hope. The plan of hope is what do you want to do with your life and how can we help you? And how can we help you get there? We've always said this. We hope they say, I always wanted to be, and then fill in the blank. I always wanted to be a nurse. I always wanted to be a school teacher something. Well, how do you get there? Well, the first step is getting some education. Uh, They have to do something in the area of education and training every quarter as well. We do financial literacy, so we realize that most of them haven't had any financial training, so we take them from opening up their own checking account all the way through to what does retirement look like, and then from that to you know, uh, de- credit card debt, all the things that they would need to know to be able to go out and try to get an apartment and live on their own. Another area is relationships. So every quarter we do a relational class. Most of our ladies, their relationships are dysfunctional and broken. And so we're trying to help them to realize what a healthy relationship looks like. And going from conflict resolution at the very beginning of the class all the way to what does dating look like again, which is a big step for these ladies. And then we also work in the area of the spiritual. So we're a Christ-centered refuge, and they know that when they come here. Uh, They understand that that's who we are, and that's kind of what we've been doing. And so uh, they uh, have to take a Bible class. They go to church on Sunday. They come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night as we share with them. And and, uh, most of them, honestly, are looking for spiritual guidance and help. It's not like something that is really difficult for them to want to be part of. So. This is Pastor Hubert Nolan, co-founding executive director of Hope Center Indy, hopecenterindy.org. We reached out to him because the film Sound of Freedom is getting uh, a lot of attention, and it is the new true story of uh, a story about child trafficking. You give us on your website some facts about domestic human trafficking and about the recruitment side of it, because it's said that this film, Sound of Freedom, offers a false perception of how the majority of child trafficking actually takes place. When you look Look at those statistics, Pastor Nolan. It's oftentimes within the family. That is true. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times families are in desperation, especially if they've got drug addiction, alcoholism in their background. And so a lot of that, we do see that. I think that, you know, the movie uh, Sound of Freedom, uh, they are depicting uh, the story of Tim Ballard's life and what he did to help save those children. And even though that might be... uh, 
kind of a situation that doesn't occur a lot, it, it does occur. And I think the challenge for people to understand is the awareness part. And they're just trying to communicate, hey, things are happening out there. One of the things we often say here at the center, uh, you know, it's hard to put statistics together. It's hard to be able to verify because who's putting them all together and who's actually reporting and how do we know exactly how many does it get reported out there. So that's always difficult to be able to put together. But I will say this, and we often say this, whatever your zip code is, there will be a girl trafficked in your zip code tonight. And that is something that's very difficult for people to understand, that it's right here in our local areas, it's in our counties, it's everywhere, and people just don't believe it, but it's actually happening all around us. And so when I think about Tim Ballard and OUR and what they've done, they've been an amazing partner here at our, our center. One of the things that they've helped us to do is put together the canine barn with uh, Todd Jordan, uh, with Jordan Canine Detection. We literally train dogs here to sniff out electronic devices that are taken on search warrants when they are anticipating child exploitation, child porn. And so OUR, I think, have sponsored about 70 dogs where they have literally paid to have all these dogs trained on our campus and then given away to law enforcement. Today, we have them in 44 states, five different countries, and these dogs are going on search warrants every single week. And some of the things that they're accomplishing is absolutely amazing. And so for them to say that, you know, they're not following up or doing something in the area of of human trafficking or even prevention is really a misstatement. And people just don't really know the story. We would love people to come here to the Hope Center see our campus, see the canine barn, see what these people are actually doing and how they're funding them and being part of the solution and not just once the the girl has been trafficked. As you mentioned, how we can be a part of this solution, donations is another way. You know, we're always looking for funding and help. And, um, you know, the one thing that we say here is we've had an incredible team of volunteers who come to our campus. We've had about 450,000 volunteer hours served here on our campus. We have 175 churches that have come on board to help support the Hope Center, to help us to make an impact in this area. We're always needing people to help us. There is just so many things that can be done on our campus. So if people enjoy landscaping, if they enjoy cleaning or painting or whatever it might be, there is just so many ways. But uh, a financial donation is also wonderful. It keeps us moving forward. It helps us with our budget. And like I said, we um, we don't receive any state or, or federal money. So in that light, we are raising all the funds here at the campus to try to keep everything moving. We have about 25 other different ministries that also function out of the Hope Center, which is really important for us. We have Light and Darkness, which is another really important ministry that with uh, Dr. Carolyn Knight. They do strip clubs, massage parlors, and uh, street ministries just to help the ladies know that there's a way out of the life if they're looking for hope and help. And so we are just so grateful for some of these other partners who are like uh, kind of the front runners for us when it comes to rescue and helping in some of these different areas. So uh, we just have some wonderful people, great teams, and we're just grateful to be able to be part of in a small way of doing something in the area of human trafficking.
Pastor Hubert Nolan, co-founding executive director of Hope Center Indy. Again, get involved, hopecenterindy.org. Thank you. I know you got to run. Thank you. It is 1229 coming up after today's top stories. Kylan Talley talks with another indie shorts filmmaker. You're listening to The First Day on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It is a 12.33. Terry Stacy, Denny Smith has left the building. He's got some work to do today. Uh, Kylan Talley is here. We're so thankful for all the time Denny puts in. He but does. We, he's, he comes by and, mm-hmm. and he just loves radio. He absolutely does. And I love Indiana. And this is going to be a great program for you. It is the last day of Indie Shorts International Film Festival, part of Heartland Film. And there are still a few programs that you can catch, or you can go and watch some of the virtual programs. There's plenty of things that you can still go and see. But this one, The Hoosier Way. IU Library's Moving Image Archive Showcase. It's free admission. It's going to be tonight at 5.30 at the Toby Theater at Newfields. And to kind of explain what this all unique program is, is John Vickers, director and producer here joining us. John, thanks for joining us on first day. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, and, and yeah, this is great to be able to talk about this. It's a collection of films from Indiana University Libraries' Moving Image Archive, which is a, a, an incredible, vast archive of mostly educational, industrial uh, films, a lot of home movies as well. And, and our program represents that collection, I think, also very well. But this program focuses on all things Indiana. So it's famous people, it's events, it's natural resources, things that make Indiana unique and special. And the program uses multiple clips from 40 different films meshed together in this collage of a program that has somewhat of a narrative arc, but tells you about the industry in Indiana, the steel mill, some unique businesses, state parks, natural resources, and it's interwoven in a way that I, I think is enjoyable and educational. And, you know, it's something that I think people really kind of get a kick out of. And there will be definitely some things that are familiar and, you know, also definitely things that are unknown to many. And this particular program focuses on two regions in the state more heavily than others. And, and one of those is, of course, Indianapolis. We have a condensed version of the very first IndyCar race in 1911, the first Indy 500 as well as uh, Crispus Attucks, the basketball team from 1955 and 1956, when they won the state championship as the first all-black sports team in America to win a state title, and to many other things. So, I, you know, I think it's going to be enjoyable for an Indianapolis audience. Um, the Hoosier Way is part of a series uh, that Jennifer and I curated called uh, an archival roadshow, and, and part of our our charge from the director of the film archive, Rachel Stolci, was to uh, build at least two or three programs that could travel around the state of Indiana this year. And why that's important this year is this year is the 100th anniversary of 16 millimeter as a film format. So all of the programs, including the Hoosier Way, are, are comprised of film 16 millimeter film clips from their collection. So uh, Again, uh, the university has this vast collection of 16 millimeter films. 
the university is putting on this major uh, celebration of 16 millimeter in its centennial. So they're calling it Century of 16 millimeter. It started with an exhibition of film handling equipment. So cameras, projectors, things like that, which is still on campus in Bloomington. Uh, there's a, an academic conference, which is international that's happening in September, uh, the 14th through the 16th, which is bringing film scholars, archivists and filmmakers to campus in Bloomington to celebrate 16 millimeter and also present papers. Uh, there are two publications of books being uh, presented or being uh, published this year on 16 millimeter. And then there's this traveling road show. And so it's all, all again, part of this bigger celebration century of 16 millimeters. So I thought, you know, that could be interesting to, to your listeners. So, yeah, so we're, we're, we're a small piece of this, this bigger, uh, I guess, national and international celebration of the format of 16 millimeter, which again, turned uh, 100 years old this year. Even though the screening starts at, at 5.30 today, uh, doors open at 4.30 p.m. And we have professional archivists on hand that are going to be demonstrating uh, 16 millimeter film handling equipment and, and film itself. And so if you arrive early uh, in the lobby, you'll get to handle some 16 millimeter film uh, because many of our audience members have probably never done that. Um, and they'll be able to uh, look at a 16 millimeter projector and, and just you know get an idea of of what this film format is viscerally and um so i think it'll it'll be a nice introduction uh to our patrons before the screening it's an interactive way for people to you know get a feel for this format it has not disappeared but it's out of the public realm for the most part looking forward are there any future prospects for this hoosier way project or else anything else that you know of yeah so there are a total of three film programs that we we curated one is the hoosier way one is called uh, The Moving Image Plays Itself, um, where we're focusing on the material of film and filmmaking. And so it's we're, it's a film about, it's a program about film being very apparent and very visceral and the medium itself. And then there's another program called Inspired Education. So Inspired Education already screened in Indianapolis at uh, the, the Madam Walker Theater. But uh, the moving image plays itself screens in Indianapolis at the Can Can Cinema on October 5th. And so uh, we're very excited to come back to Indianapolis uh, with another program. Uh, but then the life beyond this, uh, it, it likely um, will not have a life as a program itself. Uh, the programs are going to screen as part of the uh, academic conference that I mentioned. Uh, but again, the these curated programs uh, will then just... Uh, the documents in another way of, you know, this historical moment. Why is this a must-see film? Why should people go and watch this, especially for the last day of Indie Shorts? Sure. Um, well, I mean, Indie Shorts, it's a great festival, and and there are probably many must-sees, you know, within the festival. I guess if, you know, if you are from Indiana and you have uh, pride in your state and, and have some interest in history, I think, you know, that that's a great reason to go see it. Um, there will be things that I think almost everyone that that you know comes to the screening today will recognize. Now they might be you know dated from forty or fifty or sixty years ago, but but there are things that are going to be familiar. Uh, but you know, for an, an, an example, um, the montage that we have for the Indy Five Hundred in this first race is it's bringing in clips from not only that first race, but uh, races from the '30s on through the '70s or early '80s, and so it's bringing you know, multiple clips from different films, including home movies, potentially shot by one of our audience members if they're in the collection, 
Um, but the, but it gives an, a great example of how um, things are documented over time and documented not only professionally, but also by non-professionals and people that, you know, make these home movies. And, and, and I think it'll showcase why our documents are important, you know, why our history is important, whether it's uh, statewide or national, but also personal histories, because they can become a document of time and place. And uh, the collection does have quite a few home movie collections. And I, I think it speaks to uh, the importance of saving our, our moving image heritage, uh, because, you know, our audience will see these home movies interwoven into some of these professionally made films as well. And I, I don't know, I, you know, I think there's many reasons why it's a must see, but maybe those are a few. Where is the best place to find more information about the films, the screenings, more behind the scenes? Um, to find out more about the, the, the more global celebration of 16 millimeter, it's centuryof16mm.com. And it'll, it'll show whomever's interested, um, not only more about these programs that we're screening, or the program that we're screening today, it has the list of the 40 films that are part of it. But it also you know, talk about the conference as well as the publication and the exhibitions and the other things. That's centuryof16mm.com to find more information about this big project that they've been doing. But go to IndieSchwartz.org for the screening information. Again, doors open at 4.30. Check out that demonstration of 16 millimeter film and the projector. And then the screening will begin at 5.30 tonight over at the Toby Theater at Newfields. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Again, that was John Vickers, director and producer of The Hoosier Way. Go check it out, IndieShorts.org, or you can go watch all the other virtual films that they'll be having. You can purchase it today and then keep watching it for two days. But today is the last day, so go and support while you can. It is 12.42. Coming up, Kylan? We are, I mean, Barbie's been on her brain, right? Barbie's on her brain. We're going to talk about Barbies, but as a local project. This is cool. What happens when you're done with dolls or for people who don't have Barbie dolls? We're going to talk about that up next on First Day. 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's 12:46. Good morning to you. Oh, it's not morning. <laughs> it's afternoon. This show was on until noon for so many years, and now it's on in the afternoon. So good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. We are the first day. We're brought to you by Greg Cooper, Lisa Phillips, real estate consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Real Estate. If you missed their conversation with us this morning, you can check them out at WIBC.com on the first day podcast. Uh, Kylan is here back in her seat as producer and also she co-hosts with us and she's got some great conversations she's had in the past and she's got another one too as it relates to Barbie. Yeah, you like that song? I do. It's got me moving around. Is that a Barbie song? It is. It's in one of their main trailers, but it's during one of their dance parties. Kylan saw the film. She saw it. She was one of the millions and millions and millions that saw it this last couple of days. 
and uh, she's she's not she's not really sure how to rate it just yet because as we've said before there were so many feelings in this film that people weren't expecting they say and I've even heard the word Oscar thrown out here about this film so uh, yeah and uh, we don't want to spoil it either for no, you no no spoilers no. but I would say it's worth the watch to be able to see what all of these mixed reviews are about and I mean for me I'm going to be rewatching it to get the full experience once again but yeah it is it's one that has the mixed reviews but and Barbie has been on all of our minds the marketing is all over you can't get away from it it's it's on progressive commercials come on yeah it really is (laughs) so they've been at it for the last six months and so Terry and I we had this conversation previously about two weeks ago when we were really coming up to this release date for Barbie we're like Barbie how can we provide something Barbie for you oh my gosh there's a Barbie girls project right here in Indianapolis and they provide dolls to girls who that. don't have them because like wh- truly what do you do when you don't have dolls thankfully for me i have a baby sister and she's happily taking all of my dolls <laughs> but there are some and that's always one of the toy story tragedies they're like oh they're gonna that's right be thrown it's away a, toy story the movie where they're mm-hmm. gone so, so anyway we have barbie girl project and we have the founder and creator of barbie girl project with us natasha Pollock. welcome to the program Hi, thank you for having me, Kylan. Will you just describe what the Barbie Girls Project is in general? Yeah, so we are a for-profit social enterprise that collects and donates Barbie dolls to youth affected by poverty, trauma, and low self-esteem. Plus, we sell new vintage and handmade doll items to fund doll play workshops that foster friendship, creativity, and thoughtfulness. What started this Barbie Girl project? You obviously are the founder of it. What's kind of that behind the scenes that got you interested in even beginning this project? The Barbie Girls project actually started as my personal project to share dolls with girls who needed to know that they were special and accepted, regardless of what they lived through. So doll play with Barbies was how I coped with a lot of trauma from my own childhood And the lessons I learned at age eight and giving away some of my dolls to girls who hadn't had dolls before really changed how I looked at life and friendship. And I wanted to pass down those values to my daughter when she turned eight to bridge the gap between the differences in our childhoods. So in 2011, we started by donating some of our dolls to girls in her school And that idea caught on with her Girl Scout troop that she eventually joined. And soon we were doing doll drives for new dolls to other organizations in need of dolls and other toys. And then after a while, everything stalled. (laughs) And then our troop leader suggested I start a Facebook page. And so it, it was at that point that I came up with the name of what we were doing. And I called it the Barbie Girls Project because... You know, I consider what we do, well, I should say what my daughter and I were doing, that we were Barbie girls. And by nature, you know, Barbie girls are those who can, like, do anything and be of help to anybody in need. So that's where that name came from. And after I created that Facebook page, it really took off because people were constantly contacting me, trying to find a place to donate their collections Um, and it became something 
somewhat of a hobby for me for a while. Um, but then I eventually turned it into a social enterprise last year in 2022 um, so that I could keep expanding uh, what we were doing. Because over time, what I was finding was that there were people who were asking, do you sell any dolls? Um, what else do you do besides donating dolls and that kind of thing? And so overall, we've received... Uh, close to about 2,000 dolls, and I've had over 100 donors um, from really all over the world, even as far away as Japan. <laughs> and I'm contacted almost weekly by people interested to know more. Um, and so by being a social enterprise, you know, I, I do sell uh, now uh, new vintage and handmade doll items to fund doll play workshops um, that I, you know, spoke of and that, uh, workshop element is something that I'm really big on, uh, because I want kids to be able to be kids, right? Like anymore, they're not playing with toys as much. And I, I really feel they're missing that creative component that they need to be able to, um, be more well-rounded as adults. People will donate, and you mentioned there's people from Japan that have donated. Do you have any limitation on who donates to your project? So I accept any dolls that are in new or gift-giving condition. Um, if they are dirty or marred in some way, it's really hard for me to be able to do much with them. Um, but that being said... Sometimes I've encountered issues with even things that I've picked up where it's not, you know, perfect. And so I still find ways to incorporate things that I've received, uh, whether it's in the workshops themselves or for um, decor um, for any of our events that we have and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm all about trying to reuse things, too, as much as possible. So it just makes it more fun when it's something like Barbie. Can we speak more on the workshop part of this project and some of those events that you've held in the past or are planning to help planning to hold in the future? Yeah. Um, so we started first with doing doll dress up events where kids could come and dress dolls that have been donated. Uh, because, you know, often I get dolls that are clothed as well as naked. And I also get people who donate clothes and other accessories to us. So, um, Basically, you know, during one of our events, kids can come dress dolls that are going to be donated. And it's a fun family project to do with their parents, you know, other siblings and things like that. So that has been one thing. Um, and then for the past few years, we've been um, doing trunk retreats at a local church. And last year, we actually gave away uh, over 100 Barbies. <laughs> In, in addition to candy. But um, yeah, so there's going to be more fun this year with what we do with that. <laughs> do you have any events coming up as of right now? I do. I actually have Ken's Day of Giving. It's something that we started in 2020 um, because ironically, uh, my dad's name was Ken. And yes, <laughs> it was a, a longtime family joke. And unfortunately, he did pass away in 2020 uh, during the pandemic. Uh, he was hospitalized uh, from complications, uh, not COVID related, but, you know, it affected things. And so because we couldn't have 
the kind of um, memorial service and things to honor him back then. Uh, we wanted to do something for his birthday, which is July 27th. And so this year is going to be our third annual Ken's Day of Giving, where it is a random acts of kindness day uh, where people can give back, you know, to the community, um, share some love on behalf of somebody they might have lost during the pandemic or, you know, since the pandemic, uh, or even to honor my dad, because um, I have family from all over the world. And it's just kind of a nice way to just keep spreading joy um, and honoring kids, too, because my dad really uh, was a family guy, and he just loved to give gifts. So uh, what we're doing next week, we are going to be at a location in town uh, giving away dolls. And that will be at a surprise location. They're announcing it tomorrow. So please stay tuned. You can follow their Instagram, The Barbie Girls Project, or you can go online to thebarbiegirlsproject.com to keep tabs on them. Figure out where this surprise location is going to be. It, again, it's Thursday, July 27th from 3 to 5 p.m. And that that location hey, will be announced tomorrow. Say, oh, no, we don't know if it's... We don't know where it is. <laughs> no, we don't. But we'll find out soon enough. I'm guessing. I mean, I'm taking guesses as to where, like in my brain, I'm thinking, where could this be? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's worth it getting out there. Thank you again, Natasha Pollock. Great interview. Of I Project. love that um, and her story, that how and when and why and uh, Ken's Day of Giving and uh, the good conversation. I'm really glad we got that one, Kylan. Great job. All right, everybody. We thank you all so much for joining us here on the first day. And we will be back again from the State Fair next to Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, again, thanks to all of our fantastic guests and our sponsors, Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips. Today's top stories are coming up next.